And we thank you today, God, that we are here in your house. And so, Father God, we're just asking you, Lord, to move in a powerful way as we now go forth in your word. Bless your word, Lord. Father, if there's anything that could bring any type of distraction away from what your message is, God, we just come against that right now. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, what's the church say? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. Thank you, guys. Fantastic time of worship. You know, I... um. How many of y'all know the struggle can be real sometimes? Can I, can, I, can I get a witness to that one, right? Man, you know, the, uh, two weeks ago, I'm sitting in, I'm, in, I'm in, the, in the kitchen and I'm doing what I do best and I iron. Any other guys in here iron, right? There's a select few of us, okay? And uh, there's a whole story behind that. If you don't know, it's it just ask my wife, she'll let you know what it is. And so I do the ironing in the house, okay? And uh, so, you know, two weeks ago, I'm sitting there doing the ironing and, and sure enough, you know, on your ironing board, you've got like this cover with this pad. Has it ever just like gave way on you and just popped off and tear? It's annoying, it did to me, okay? And so then you try to put it back on, you try to fix it and you're ironing and then it, here's what it does, it kind of crumples up. And then you get creases in your shirts that you weren't intending to have and this and that and the other. So I looked at my, my wife when it happened. I said, I said, babe, we've got to go to Walmart and I hate Walmart, but we've got to go to Walmart. We've got to get a new one because I can't go on like this any longer in my life. Well, the week goes on and you know, schedules get busy, right? Stuff just happens, you know? And the week goes on and there's no new cover. Next Sunday comes around, I'm ironing. Gotta get a new cover. Getting in a bad mood before I gotta give the message today. You know, and I forgot all about it until this morning. And I go to iron my shirt and I'm ironing, you know, things and I pull it out and I'm going, seriously? Like, why can't this get fixed? Have you ever thought about that before in life? Like, seriously? Why can't this get fixed? I wonder how many times God might look at us and be like, seriously, how much more do I got to slap you in the face with my word for you in order for you to fix this? Or watch this, allow me to fix it. We're in this sermon series called Running with the Giants, and we are in week six of this. And uh, I've been excited about it. I think it's been a great series thus far, really helping us along our spiritual journey. But our uh, theme first that we've been looking at comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You should be able to memorize this by now. We've been going over it so many times. But the word therefore comes right up right away. Therefore, all right? Understanding what the meaning of the word therefore is and why it's there, it's because it's a continuation or it's a transitional word from the previous chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, what is really talking about the heroes of faith. Um, I'm going to remind you again, you should go back and take a look at that chapter. You want to talk about being encouraged. Read that chapter. It is something that is phenomenal. But here the words are, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Have you ever used the word since in, in, the, in that, I guess, in the phrasing of, well, since we are already here, we might as well try this out, right? Since I'm at this restaurant, I've been here a hundred times, maybe I ought to try something new on the menu, right? So the author here is saying, well, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, we've been surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses for some time now, let us do something that maybe we've not done before. And what is that? Throw off everything 
that does what? So easily entangles. Throwing off everything that so easily what entangles, right? Getting rid of what? The sin that is hindering us. Now, I'm going to ask this question. I don't want an outward response because I don't want us all to look at one another and judge each other. But who's got some things that you could definitely need to be like, you know what? We need to get rid of this in my life. Some sin that's hindering. Some things that are entangling this whole thing that we call life, okay? It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So here's what I want you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a race. Let's try that one more time. I have a race. Every one of us in this room, we have a race that God has called us to. And we need a reminder that God has purpose and that God has plans for each of us. We understand he's got what a hope and a future for all of us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the Old Testament prophet today, uh, the Hall of Fame of Faith. He's right in there, Elijah. All right, this man was truly what a giant of faith. He was an Old Testament prophet who lived in what was called the northern region at that time. So here's some back information for you. Israel was delivered out of Egypt. They have already gone through the wilderness. They are now within their promised land and they have come through the leadership of what would be two kings thus far. And during that they were serving God and they were being led, but then they came to a place where they became torn, where they stopped following the leading of God and literally they split into two separate kingdoms. And you had the Northern kingdom where Elijah was doing ministry. That was called Israel. And then you had the Southern kingdom, which was called Judah. Now in the Northern kingdom, God was using Elijah in what was considered a very, very important time. He by himself is known as one of the great spiritual reformers within scripture or within the Bible. He was always trying to reach his people. So Elijah was doing ministry and there was a king in the Northern kingdom by the name of Ahab. Ahab was a very weak leader. Understand this, very weak leader. And he was persuaded much by his wife and she had a name and her name was Jezebel. All right, now summing that up, a weak leader, all right, and the wife calling the shots, no, 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 no disrespect to the wives, okay? But with the characters, characteristics and the attributes that she had, this formulated into being a terrible leadership duo. We understand that when you read through the scriptures, they tore down the altars of God, the true God. They built altars up toward another God named Baal. Lots of wickedness up through this era was going on. And this was, is what led to God calling Elijah. So when we read in the scriptures that God tells Elijah to prophesy. Now, check this out. Typically, whenever God called a prophet to prophesy, it was usually very, very bad news to the ones that he was prophesying over. All right. And he said this, prophesy about a drought, a drought that would last for three and a half years. Israel would have no rain 
And so what God was using in this formula or this era was bringing people back to the attention or their attention of God. So the reason for this drought was God was using it in order for Israel, for their attention to be brought back to God. Now we can learn a lot right there just within that phrasing because many of you in this room today, and let's be honest, the struggle is real. You possibly or potentially or have already come out of a season or you're in a season or watch this. I hate to break the bad news to you. There is a season coming where life is not going to go as rosy as what you would hope for it to have gone. So Elijah is basically here by himself and he's given this prophecy to Ahab and understand this, they were not getting along and I could see why, all right? There, a feud had developed between the two of them during this pass of time. And so Elijah is standing there and here's what comes about. They go, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Elijah, great idea. We're going to take two bulls. We're going to have altars. And you're going to take King Ahab, your 450 prophets. And what they're going to do is this. They're going to pray to their God, lowercase g, Baal. And then when you're done, I'm going to pray to my God, who is our God. And we're going to see which one responds. And here's how they need to respond. Fire, and this is very important, must come down from heaven and what? Totally engulf, completely cover that sacrifice. So we read in the scriptures that these prophets, they, that's what they do. They're sitting there, they're praying, they're praying, they're, they're, they're pleading, begging. This is going on for hours, all right? I could just see Elijah just kind of sitting back, going, this is a waste of time. I can't wait to prove my point. Is that, have you ever been in an argument with somebody and they had the floor and you were just giving them the opportunity to continue to dig their hole, knowing that you have something that you're about to fire back with that's gonna totally destroy everything they have to say. Anybody been there? That's how my wife reacts to me. All right, so here they are, right? They're praying and it's going on for hours. And they said they're praying to the point where they're, they're cutting themselves. They're getting in a time of desperation. But I love Elijah. I see Elijah as very sarcastic because he looks at him and goes, apparently you're not praying hard enough. You need to pray a little bit harder. Apparently you're doing this. All, your God must be deaf. Can you get louder? Are you following me here within this story? I mean, Elijah's just like, bam, you know, nailing him, right? And he's just sitting back going, mm-hmm. Mm, this is going to be great. I can't wait for my turn. And then we read within the scriptures that Elijah has his moment. And so here's what he says. He says, you know what? Let's go ahead and get some water. Here's my altar. Let's just pour water on it. Now you guys know fire and water, what happens? They don't go together very well, do they? Right? The, the water always dominates the fire. So anything that's usually soaked typically will not catch fire. So they're pouring water on it. He goes, no, 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 no. We need more. So they go back and get more. And then he goes back, no, 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 we need more. And so he go, they come back and they dump more water. And you have these prophets going, what is this guy doing? Well, one, they're bleeding out, you know what I mean? They've gotta be completely destroyed mentally, spiritually, everything with inside of them, psychologically let down. 
And so here they are and, and, and they're like, what is, this, what is this guy doing? And so they're dumping all this water and then we read within the scriptures and go ahead and do that. This is not our main topic. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But he just says a few words of a prayer and fire falls from heaven, consumes the altar and the bulls that were there and instantly the people knew who the one and true God was and still is. Now, it's not over. It's not over because then watch this, the people realize it and they look at all these 450 prophets and what do they do? The Old Testament is very sketchy sometimes, isn't it? You look at it and you're like, really God? You're really doing that? Wipes them out, kills every one of them. Now, we see that you would think as we study Elijah today, that we would learn how to live a life that was full of faith like he exampled right there. But that's not where we're gonna look at. I think the message that if Elijah was able to come and speak to us today would be one that would be totally different. In fact, it would come from what would happen next within his life. So let's take a look at some scripture here in 1 Kings 19 verses one through two. And the word says this, now Ahab told Jezebel everything. It's kind of like he's running back. Oh, babe, this is what happened, right? Because he's not a good leader. He's a weak leader. So now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So he's kind of really blaming everything on Elijah here. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, what is she doing here? She's threatening his life. So Elijah in this moment is going from one of the highest of highs that he, he could have. He's just had an incredible victory, but hours later, his life is now being threatened. So what would Elijah have to say to us for when life feels like it falls apart. Has anybody ever been in a season sometimes where you just feel like life has fell apart? Yeah, you, you don't know where you're coming or going. You're staying awake at night. You can't eat. You're in that moment of fear, uncertainty, confusion, anger, so many emotions balled up. And if we're honest today, we could call that identity or we could relate to that identity that he is going through, feeling like life is out of control, feeling like we are losing grasp, feeling helpless, feeling stuck, right? Feeling, uh, going through the emotions. Hello, how many times do we do that when we come into the house of God? Maybe carrying what would be a, considered a massive weight. What I want you to understand here this morning is you're not alone. None of us should feel singled out that is here today. Because we have either felt that way or are feeling that way. Or as I said earlier, we may end up feeling that way a little later down the road. If Elijah were here with us, he would identify with the pain that you could be feeling. But I think he would say this to us, and this is in your, in your notes. Number one, our perspective shapes our reality. Our perspective shapes our reality. Elijah has just had the amazing moment, but now his life is being threatened. And here he gets a message that's being brought to him that says, look, you're gonna die. I'm gonna make sure of it. 
And he has a response in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. And it's very disappointing, but here's his response. He, re, he says this, Elijah was afraid. And what did he do? He ran for his life. His perspective has now changed. He was standing in faith within the mountaintop moment. But then a few verses or a few hours later, now fear has stepped in and has infected his spiritual life. So what changed in Elijah's life to bring him to this point? Was it his calling? Did that change? No. Did his potential change? No. Did his reality change that much? No. Because he had, to this point, he had really never been threatened, uh, or rather he has been threatened his entire ministry. So not much has really changed that he's not already used to. There's not a first time thing that's happened in this moment to cause fear to come in. But this is a place in scripture where we see that fear actually came into the mind, into the spirit of Elijah. The one thing, though, that did change was his perspective, what he was seeing. He went from God can do anything to a perspective of fear. And what I want you to see and understand is that we know and I know I've been in very real situations where things can really allow fear to creep in. The other day, I was in, in the community and uh, I was having a conversation with a guy and we were just having a generalized conversation. I, I can't even recall anything specific that it was about, but we were, just, we're, we're friends and we were just, you know, hanging out for a few moments. So we're sitting there talking and we're going through the conversation. Everything's going good. But as we continued in the conversation, he began to break down on a couple things that are going on in his life. Things that wasn't exciting, things that were bad that were happening. And so inwardly, I could begin to see it come outwardly in his actions, in his demeanor, the way he looked at me. When we went into the conversation, everything was positive. Everything was uplifting. Everything was exciting. But then as we're going through the conversation, it's like the excitement level, the happy level, the joy level, right, started to decrease and the concerns started to come out. In my mind, I'm going, man, I need to pray for this guy later on. We've been there, right? You're going through it. And I'm like, man, I, you know what? And I looked at him and I said, man, I'm going to pray for you about that. We're going to pray. We're going to believe with you. And we continued in the conversation. And, and as we continued, it was like more and more and more stuff came out. And I said, you know, time out, time out. We're going to stop this negative talk. We're going to pray right now. And in that moment, we began to pray. But you know what is interesting, though, is that we, when we have the wrong perspective, we have the wrong outlook on what the potential that God can do within our lives. We look at the circumstantialness around us, everything that's happening around us, and we allow that to dictate our happiness or our joy, or we allow that to dictate what our emotions are going to reflect, all right? Just like many of you here today, that is what happened in this young man's life, was happening in his life. The urgency, the bothersome moments, the fear. I want you to know this. You're not here today by accident. Get that for a minute. Let that resonate with inside of you. You are not here today by accident. You're here today because there's a word, there's a message, there's an experience that God has specifically planned out for your life. 
And I believe part of that is to change your perspective. We understand this, that we, there's an enemy who is what? In 1 Peter 5 and 8, it tells us this, to be alert. Now understand that word alert there. It means we need to be what? Attentive. We need to be watching for. And then it goes on to say, and what? Sober-minded. What, what is that telling us? That means we need to have our, our thoughts clear. We need to be attentive. We need to be alert. We need our thoughts to be clear. We don't need anything hindering what God is trying to show. But watch this. Because of this, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for what? Someone to devour. We, we often think he's just, you know, out in the open, ready to pounce on us right away. But I see it kind of differently. I see, especially as a Christ follower, he's lurking somewhere that you're not seeing it. And he's waiting for the environment that you're going to allow yourself to get into to reveal his ugliness. Or he's waiting for a relationship for you to allow yourself to get into to what? Reveal his ugliness. Or he's waiting for a moment for your weakness where you're letting your guard down to do what? Jump out and come at you. Look, he is strategic. He is way more strategic than we are spiritually. He is looking for the moment. He demonstrates something that many of us don't, we can't live. Hurts me too to say this, and that is he's patient. He's waiting for the moment. So here's the second thing that I think Elijah would tell us, and this is this, it, it, it is this. We are only alone if we choose to be alone. Let's take a look in the scriptures in 1 Kings 19, 3 through 4. It says this, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he, he did something very important here for us to look at as an example that I don't want you to do. But he says, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So when we are in the middle of it sometimes, we often feel alone. When we're in the middle of the struggle, there's many times that we go, God, I just, I just feel all by myself in this. The struggle's real here. It's difficult. And I, I just wish I had somebody there to encourage me. I just wish I had, but watch this in the scripture. It says something strategic that he did that he should not have done. It says that he left his servant there. And we take on the mindset that everyone has left us and no one understands. We feel completely by ourselves. And what does that result in? Self-pity. Oh, look at me. Look how everybody, they've left me. They've turned their backs on me, but yet you haven't left the bedroom in like a week. Are you following me here on that? You're not allowing yourself to be within your circle of influence. You're not allowing yourself to be within the confines of a sanctuary to worship your true God. You're not allowing yourself to be a part of the life group. You're not allowing yourself to be, to be encouraged by other believers. But yet we take on the attitude, I feel so alone. In the very moment we need people the most, we have a tendency to isolate ourselves. You're only alone if you choose to be alone. It's the third thing that I think Elijah would say to us, and that is this. God's plan, and this is so cliche, but God's plan is always better 
than our plan. Let's continue to take a look in the scripture. It says, he came to a broom bush. Now, what you need to understand here is that is a very small tree. And he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. In other words, he got to a very weak moment. He, have, he has been on the mountaintop situation and now his life is being threatened and he takes on a very poor attitude. He's segregated, he's isolating himself away from everyone else, which is extremely dangerous. He's allowing his thoughts to dictate. He's allowing his thoughts to be the message that he needs to hear and the words that he needs to hear. And so he comes up and he says that it sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. He says these words. And have you ever said this? I have had enough, Lord. Some of you, you're here today in church and that's exactly what you're feeling. I have had enough, Lord, he said. He goes on to say, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lays down under the bush and fell asleep. What I want you to understand is you need to know that again, as I mentioned before, you're not here by accident. All we typically see is a very small picture. Our perspective is very narrow, but here's what I, I, I fathom with, and that is this, God sees the big picture. God sees much more than what you see. His perspective is much larger than what your perspective is. God's plans are not sometimes better, but they are always better. Let me repeat that again, right? Yeah, go ahead. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. God's plans are not sometimes better. But we understand them to be what? Always better. So how do we get to a solution? Let's continue to read. It says, all at once, an angel, what? Touched him. You know, there's some translations that actually say, shook him. Shook him, right? It says, and said, get up and eat. In other words, what you wanted to do, I'm not allowing this to happen. What you intended to do, because watch this, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, I've got a will, I've got promise over your life. There's more to this life than the fear that you're living. There's more to your life than the things that you're staring at every single day, the problems that you're staring at. God's got more in still for your life. He's got more in store for your life. He's got a plan that you can't even fathom. You know, sometimes I look at it and, I, and I've questioned, God, why can't I see further down? It's because God's saying, because then you would think it's all in your power and not in my power by seeing it to come through. We must go through those waiting moments and those waiting seasons and not look at it so narrow, but open our eyes and allowing our faith and our trust to be put in the one who what, created all things, made all things, spoke all things into existence Amen. and allowing him to what? Rule and to reign. We need to do what some of the translations do and that says simply this, shake it off, man. It's not over. Choose to let go and what? Let God, no matter what you're facing. So we understand Elijah gets up off the ground. The angel feeds him. That must've been a great meal, right? 
Elijah then goes on this miraculous 40-day journey. Let's pick it up in 1 uh, Kings 19, starting in verse 9. He says, there he went into a cave. Now, I want you to understand this. This is not just any ordinary cave. This is thought to be the cave that Moses was in when uh, God spoke to him, when he saw the glory of the Lord, okay? So then he, what a great place to go, right? There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And this is going to be a real interesting passage of Scripture, and I hope you guys grab this in the next few moments. It says, and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, you know, I see your situation. Let's, let's talk. I want to talk with you. Sometimes God is eager for you to talk to him. He's looking for you to talk to him in, that, in, that, in those tough moments. Verse 10, it says, he replied, this is, this is Elijah. I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. We got some self-pity. We, we got some, oh, is me coming in. All right. And he says, and I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me. In other words, you have, you have to appreciate his honesty right here. I mean, he's not being churchy with his language whatsoever. He's really putting it all out there on the line, right? He's saying, they're trying to kill me. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. We've, we've briefly talked about this several uh, messages or sermon series back. It says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was what? Not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And here's what he did. He did something a second time. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, it's being communicated again here. And this is what it says, verse 14. He replied, the same thing he's already said once. He's saying it again, and there's a reason. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to dead with the sword. I am, what, again, the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Here's what we must let go. One of it all. Elijah was comfortable with God, so much so that he was able to be honest. And the only way that you get comfortable with someone where you're allowing all of your honesty to come forth is simply this. When, when you spend time with that person. Because then we understand that the honesty that we can share is invited. Now, what I want you to understand here is God never forces himself on anyone, but he always invites himself to be accessible. And God is looking for you to invite him into your situation because watch this. If God is invited into it, he has to show up in it. Now, here's what we also must do. We must let go out of it all. The first time Elijah says his honesty, he's in the cave. 
Here's why this is so important. This is why it is mentioned twice within here in Scripture, at least my opinion as to why and many other theologians' opinion as to why, but it's simply this. You go into a deep, dark cave and you say something, it echoes back. No matter what you say, what does it do? It echoes back. Here's what happens. He's speaking this out and it's bouncing off the walls and it's coming back into his ear. What is that? Why, why is that so important for us to understand? It's simply this. You need to be careful with who you are surrounded with. Because some of you within your circle of influence acts just as a cave right here as Elijah was in and you're speaking the negativity out and watch what's happening. It's flowing right back. Oh, I can't believe that's happened to you. Yeah, I understand. I don't understand why God's allowing that to happen in your life. I can't believe your family said this and did that. I can't believe your coworkers have said this and that. I can't believe all of this financial misery that you're going through. I'm in pity with you over this blah, 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 blah. When he says it, God says, get out of that cave. Get out of there because you've got too much around you that's so negative and it's influencing your life and you are never gonna get past this moment until you change your environment. Some of you, that's exactly where you're at right now. You're never gonna get through this moment until you begin to change some environments. You're never gonna get out of this stage of life until you begin to do some things differently. Watch this, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me that I got a problem with alcohol. Forgive me that I got a problem with pornography. Forgive me that I have a problem with anger or hatred or bigot or racism. Forgive me for all of these things, but yet we allow ourselves to be in the environments that cause us to be in it anyway. Is that even true repentance? No, it's a Band-Aid, a feel-good moment so you can get to the next. You get it. So what does he say? He says, you got to get out of there. Get out of where you are. And this is what happens, right? He says again, he says, then a voice said to him, what are you doing? Now God is saying, I'm giving you a do-over here. I'm giving you another opportunity. Now, Elijah, why are you here? And then he spits it out. Here we go. We must choose to let go once and for all. Why? So we can be free of it. Now he finally lets go, and it's no longer a problem, but now what? It's in God's hands. Now it's out of his mouth and into the hands of God. Elijah, watch, he's still in the situation. But here's something that's different that's happened. The weight has transferred, or the weight has shifted from him now into God's hands. Philippians chapter 4, 6-7 through seven, tells us this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, somebody say every. Look at the person beside you and say every. Every situation. By doing what? Prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Right? Watch this. It goes on. Present your request to God. That means give it to him. Talk to him about it. Commune with him. And here's what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will do something. It will guard your hearts and what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. Look, the situation is real. 
your situation is real, but now here's what's happened. We have traded our anxieties and we have received the peace of God. You know, I don't know how many times, and I talked several, uh, I want to say two, three weeks ago in our Wednesday night Bible study, which you should come to. It's a fantastic time to get deeper in the word of God. It's a commercial. We were talking just about this one, one Wednesday night, and we were talking about, you know, we need to have, you need to have a place. You need to have a place within your life where you can separate yourself from everything that's going on around you. Get rid of the noise. Gosh, we got noise, man. This thing right here is full of noise. I'm not talking about just when you put it here. I'm talking about when you're doing this, right? We're, we're, we're surrounded by noise all the time. And we've got to, you know, the, the Bible says that Jesus himself in the mornings would separate himself and go off early while it was what? Still dark and spend time in communication with God, talking to him. I don't know how many times that I have found myself in just the most bad, disgruntled, really just ticked off mood, knowing that if I would take it to God and spend some quality time with him, that I would come away from it. But here's what we do. I just don't feel like doing that. I want to feel the way I want to feel right now. And I'm going to enjoy every minute of feeling bad. I'm going to enjoy every minute of feeling bad. Makes no sense, does it? But that's exactly the attitude that we take on. But I have found myself, and, and I'm sure you have as well, that when you have gotten into those deep moments where everything around you seems to be crashing and just a, a lot of stuff going on, but you come into a, a moment with God where you're able to open yourself up and you're like, God, here I am. This is what's going on. I'm angered. I'm mad. I'm ticked off. Why? Because you can be honest with God. I'm ticked off, I am upset, I am sad, I am broken. God, you know, frankly, Lord, I don't understand why you're even allowing all of this to happen. But what happens is while you're doing this and you're pouring all of this out, God is listening the entire time and he's beginning to move. He goes, look, things have been in motion for a long time. Even before you even begin to pray over this, things have been in motion a long time. You don't see it because you're looking narrowly, but I have got things in motion to where it's, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be worked out. And what happens when we get into the presence of God? And this has to happen. There is no choice but for this to happen that when we allow ourselves to get into God's presence, understand his presence is always around, but you're allowing yourself to get into it. You're opening the door and you're going into it. Everything's got to change. And the next thing you know, the sadness, the sorrow, the anger, the frustration that you were living and that you were experiencing, all of a sudden, the levels begin to what? Drop. And a sense of calmness. Now, just like Elijah, the situation is still very real. It's still going on. But what has happened? Your perspective has changed. You have let go and you're letting God to be fully in control. Now, 1 Kings chapter 19, 15 through 18, says the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Now understand, now, sorry, I'm gonna interrupt again because I love this. When he said it the first time, God could have communicated it, but God's voice, the gentle whisper, what, what would have happened? It would have been lost in the noise of everything else that was going around. So when he said it a second time and he got him out of that environment so he could say it, now God could clearly speak. All right, some of you will get that later. He said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. 
when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint, who's this guy? Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will, now watch this. I'm going to stop there for a second. If he would have continued on with that same attitude that he had previously, he may never have gotten the direction. And if he would have, took what, what, what he wanted, he wanted his life gone. He was, he was done. He's like, man, I'm checking out of this situation, God. Are you following me here? But now where he gave God an opportunity, look what God's doing here. It's real prophetic. The word have, uh, Jehu will, be, will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hezeel, and Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Watch this. You thought you were alone this whole time, but God is saying, no, in all of it, I was still working out your situation. So what do we need to do? A couple things. Choose to let God do this. Direct our path. The first thing God told Elijah was to go back the way that you came. In other words, God is speaking and now Elijah is listening. It was the word of God that got Elijah where he was previously. Elijah's life was built around what? The word of God. So God is saying, what you need to do, do it again. What you did before, do it again. Remember what worked before. What was that? The word of God. Let me help you guys out here. For those of you who have matured deeply within God, but yet you're going through the struggle, let me help you understand. For you as a new believer, let me help you understand. Watch this. For you as an individual who are still debating whether or not you want to be a believer, let me help you understand. The word of God is our source for direction. That is weak. The Bible is not only meant to be devotional, but the Bible is also meant to be practical. There's nothing that you have never gone through or will never go through within life that the answer is not already within where? Scripture. The word of God is truth. Secondly, choose to let go or to let God determine our plans. Elijah would anoint with oil, uh, but we have something greater. We have the Holy Spirit. Isaiah says this, he says that once we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have a voice telling us which way to go. Even Jesus tells us that he is sending to us a great counselor. You know, um, I, I find it interesting to, to, that if you look within scripture in the gospels, you see a, a very familiar um, story where Jesus was in the boat and a storm had risen up and he was asleep and, and the disciples were on, you know, up, up on the deck, I guess, and trying to, to do what they do by keeping everything calm and stable. And 
They realized that the storm that they were going through was so great that they couldn't control and they were going to be out of control. And so fear entered in, but they did something that was very key. A lot of times we kind of dumb them up, you know, oh, look, you know, you have no faith, blah, 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 you know. But they did something very key that I really want to point out here is that when, they, when, they, when fear came in, they did the right thing. What did they do? They went to Jesus. They didn't even have to debate it. They went to the source of the peace. They went to the source of where the calm was. Some of you, you, you you've got some stuff going on. And you understand. You, 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 your mind's just blown away right now. You don't, you don't know how life got to this point. You need to go to the source of where the peace is. You need to go to the source of where the calmness is. Because here's what God does. He demonstrates his providence. What does that mean? God's protective care. He's a what? A loving father who wants to protect. He wants to lead us. But we often take it out of his hands. Moses had prayed this prayer, God, I will not move from here unless you what? Go with me. Let me help you out. I'm, I'm closing. You can stand. Let me help you out here with something. It's a secret. I'm going to make it known. It's going to blow your mind. You'll be like, wow, it's worth coming to church just to hear that. Sarcasm in that. Don't move unless God tells you to move. Now, wait, 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 but pastor, you don't know what I'm in right now. I get what you're in, but God knows best. God knows best. You have done too many steps. You have made too many moves in your own power, which has resulted in where you are today. You know, I, I, I look at these moments that we're in and, 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 I, and, and I've been there. Man, I still go there and watch this. I'll probably go there in, in my future where I'll make dumb choices, dumb decisions. Some people might've thought a 10 a.m. service was kind of dumb. I think it's pretty cool. Look around. But we, 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 we make dumb choices, dumb decisions. And what happens is this. We put ourselves in vi environments that are just really stink, let's just be honest. Where the struggle is real, where we don't know whether we're coming or going, and we're so quick to blame God and throw our hands up like Elijah did, walk away from everyone else who would be your support system, which is what, your church family, and, and really segregate or isolate ourselves out, and then go, God, wh why have you done this? Why have you allowed this? And the devil, who is what? Seeking whom he may devour. It's just going, perfect. I've got you where I want you. You're blaming everyone else but me. And I think what God would tell us today is simply this. Look, open your eyes. The, the, the message today should be eye-opening. Open your eyes. Look around. There's fellow believers, you're not here by accident. There's fellow believers in this room who are going through some stuff. There's also some who've overcome some stuff, even more recently. There's also some who have overcome some stuff 
years ago. You're not alone. I won't let you be alone. Allow God's provision, His protection, His providence to come into your situation and say, you know what? No, you are my son and you are my daughter. You know, my kids, three of them, one in the Navy, one eight-year-old, one five-year-old, and all three can get on my blessed nerves. But I tell you this much, regardless of the dumb decisions that they might make, if I see that they are in need of their dad or their father, who's gonna step in? This guy. How much more is your heavenly father who is perfect in all ways gonna step in and say, no, 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 no. Satan, get behind. You may have made yourself known. Thank you for doing that because now we know where you're at. You, you know, you have made, maybe made yourself known in this situation, but guess what? I overcome you. You are under my heel. You have no power over my sons and my daughters. Their future is in me and not in you. The promises that I speak, I will fulfill. That's who your father is. You know, Romans chapter eight, I believe it is 31 says, what then shall we say in response of all these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads for me for a moment. All of this means absolutely nothing if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. If he's not the Lord of your life, you cannot experience the peace that Elijah ended up experiencing. You cannot experience the victory that he ended up experiencing. You will not be an overcomer, I will promise you that. Your eternity has a set destination, I will promise you that as well. But this Jesus, that we see all the way from Genesis all the way through Revelation, has given up his life for you. He had paid a debt that you cannot afford. No matter works, no amount of money, no matter what the reputation you have is, nothing can pay for the sin that you have allowed and the lifestyle that you have lived. But the Bible says this, the only way through the Father is through the Son. And today, He is offering His arms like the prodigal son, the Father, He's there waiting to what embrace you, to clothe you, to place you in a better environment for your outcome to be much better than what it is without him. So I wanna give you an opportunity this morning that if you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, is your Lord and personal savior, today's the day of salvation for you. So if that is you today, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. 
Fantastic. I see those hands. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. I see that one. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together as a church. We are a family and we are not alone. Let's pray it boldly and enthusiastically. Lord Jesus, today I decide for you to be the Lord of my life. Be my master and be my savior. From this day forward, I will live for you. Forgive me my sins and direct my path. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Awesome. Now I haven't done this in a couple weeks, but I'm gonna do this today just because I feel it's appropriate. I wanna open these altars up to you this morning. I want you to spend some time in prayer. I, my prayer is that this message has impacted you to the spot where you can say, you know what? That's me. I was Elijah. I've been in the thick of it. The struggle has been real. And I, you know what? I need to separate myself out and I need to spend some time with God. You know, these guys are gonna play a, a song at a time of worship here, but I wanna open this up and I wanna encourage you as they begin to sing, to step out where you are and just have a moment down here in the front and to begin to pray and to seek after God as I'm gonna believe with you in your situation. And hallelujah.